This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. We are recording out of the Mississippi Delta. I am here with my friend Taylor Flowers. How are you, sir? Good. I'm glad to be here. Good. It's good to see you. You know, we were talking quite a bit about recovery and addiction, and the thing is, is that you know, nobody ever asked for this. You know, I, I don't ever remember in my life, you know, answering an altar call or, you know, wanting to uh, struggle with substance abuse. And while that is not anybody's fault, recovery and overcoming is our responsibility. And we look at all the statistics that are that are alarming where most people don't. Most people um, choose to deny the solution, don't want to get honest, don't want to get vulnerable, don't want to get willing. And there is a saying that you can't save your face and your butt at the same time. And while I don't know if that is 100% true, I, I do know that it does take a level of humility and willingness to be able to walk out of really, really hard seasons. You have a story that is powerful that I think that probably most people that maybe didn't know you at a close level really never thought you had any struggles. I mean, I have grew up in the same town. I mean, we didn't, we didn't go to school together or anything like that, but I, I knew I knew you, um, knew that you were farming, knew that you were successful, and really all that I that I knew about you, um, and was really shocked over a year ago to find out that there were any challenges in your life, and you have a remarkable story of facing adversity and redemption, and we'd love to hear it. 14 months tomorrow. Come on. <laughs> when I probably have been a heavy drinker for quite some time like i was listening to cliff talk earlier and he said you know the delta is it's the norm you know my thing was uh was dealing with some financial woes dealing with some anxiety and some stress and you know it's no better way to calm that stress down and to have a drink in the afternoon well it started out with a beer in the afternoon and the next thing you know i'm having a scotch or a vodka or whatever and and then things got a little worse, and we got what got me to good landing, I guess. We had some episodes, I guess, where I was AWOL. Nobody could find me. You know, one night, my I'll be honest, one night my wife found me on top of a grain bin, you know, sitting up there drunk as a boiled owl, is like she used to say, or I say. I kept trying to figure out how they were finding me. They, they had been tracking me on my phone. <laughs> uh, it had gotten to that point. Uh from the outside looking in, uh, normal Mississippi Delta farming family uh, had our plenty of adversity here, there, and yonder over the years. Uh, we're coming through it, and you know, got to the point where you know God's always had His hand on me. From a young age, I grew up in church. I, it wasn't that I wasn't saved. I, I knew I knew God had a plan for my life, but in, in the last. Two or three, well, it's been three years, you know, drinking got worse. And when the drinking got worse, I got further and further away from my walk with God. Got to the point where I was, uh, you know, start starting in the morning just to get over the shakes and the dry heaves. Obviously, that didn't start overnight. No, it didn't, it didn't start overnight. <laughs> I mean, you grew up, I mean, played sports, went to college, came back. Farmed. You said y'all hit some adversity. 
the alcohol is really numbing your relationship with God, you know, to where that was, you know, where you may have, have called out to him, but nothing of, of really any sincerity had turned to the bottle. W- what did that progression look like throughout the years of where you're saying, hey, this, this isn't normal? I was I was always the guy that probably always had a little too much. Your wife would be mad at you when you got in the car after mm-hmm. a party or something. I was always that guy, you know. Re, you know, she would be the one to have to drive home. I say it's three or four years ago. My wife would probably say it was probably six or seven. But I knew when the drinking got. Re- I was thinking that that's okay. This I'm okay. Six years ago, probably three, four drinking every day. I would start earlier in the day instead of 5 o'clock or when I got home at night just to hide it from her. I was starting, I'd get drunk at 2 or 3. And by the time I got home, I was, oh, I only had one because I'd sobered up. And that's just kind of where things had gone. And then we were getting, you know, it was starting to get a lot of stress on our relationship. Wow. You like riding around the farm? Are you running with buddies? Riding around the farm, you know. It, I, I'm I'm my own boss. Yeah. I got my truck, and I can, you know, if I want to have a fifth of vodka on the back seat, I can have a fifth of vodka on the back seat. My son was half scared of me because I I when I drank, I got kind of I'd be ugly. My dad was helping me. He just kind of, uh, you know, I'd stay away from him, and then Kitty would go to bed, and I'd be up watching TV. Well. You know where I was headed, alarm, the beep, beep, beep on the alarm. I would be out in the truck having another, making another drink before I go to sleep or pass out. It got to a point where, you know, in the early stages of it, you know, I could get up and do what I needed to do, but it got to the point where I was unable to get up in the morning and go to work. I was always 30 minutes late or an hour late or making an excuse for why I was late. Oh, I got to do something, you know. Business wise, I calling my folks saying that's, what, and they all knew they 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 were they they weren't dummies, you know. But it just I was fooling myself. Yeah. So we're no stranger to the Mississippi Delta and the way everybody loves to talk and be in everybody's business. And even though those that were close to you weren't fooled, I think everybody that that needs to make a change in their life at some point calculates the culture, you know, what if somebody's going to say this? And I, don't, I mean, I can't even tell you, and I don't even know if this even really impacted you or not, but, but I think so many people are held in bondage from making necessary moves because what's everybody going to think? There, there's no doubt. There's Because, no, you know, I'm going, my daughters would, my wife would ask me, why can't you cut back? Why can't you just have one drink or whatever? And I couldn't, but in my back of my mind, going, I really can't. I I I was, uh, you know, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do, and I'm going. I was spiraling. I was spiraling out of control, and then you've got the stigma of, well, I need some help, but what I don't want to I don't want to embarrass my family. Mm-hmm. I don't want to embarrass everybody around me. I don't have. I'm a farmer. I don't have time to go to recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, when when high in the world am I going to do this? And I'm going. There's never a good time. Used to farmers, everybody's off. Well, not really anymore. It's you're busy. But it got to a point where I was. If I didn't do something, I was going to lose everything. 
February, I'd had a we had a grandbaby born in December, and uh, my precious daughter-in-law. You know, I'm sitting there, and they're all talking about getting a car seat for their car. I said, "Yeah, I need to get one of those." I'd had a drink or two, and I, you know, it wasn't bad. I wasn't bad. I could do things that I didn't. And she's sitting there, and she goes, "Till you get your drinking under control." She said, she'll never get in a vehicle you're driving. And that was the moment. And I'd made up my mind at that point that I've got to get some help. Had some things I had to get in order before I could get, you know, had some things I had to do. I had to get a production loan so I could farm. We'd talk to you. I don't know who talked to you. I have no idea. All I knew is that good landing will take you. And uh, that's where May the 8th, I headed that away. Yeah. You know, I think to hear the the pressures of of owning your own business, running a farm, family, you know, thinking through all of that of, you know, what's going to be said, but then your daughter-in-law, you know, really having the courage to to say something in a way that, you know, actually hits you in the heart of saying this is this is real. Right. Um, and it's affecting potentially generations to come and, and your influence and impact on them. But at the same time, h- how many other millions of people, you know, have something similar said, but instead of making the step to do what's necessary, decide, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and keep drinking. They'll come up with the false narrative. The whole world's against me. Nobody understands me. Self-pity, 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 all the way to a premature grave. But the truth was is that you said, hey, I'm drawing a line in the sand. It's gone this far and no more, and you did what was necessary. Right. I want to talk about the millions of guys that are all over the country that may or may not listen to, to this episode but, but, but need to about what that looks like when you decide, hey, I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to go to somewhere that is outside of your comfort zone and do the deal. We, you know, that initial, when you decide I'm fixing to go somewhere, you know, and it was my, it wasn't, you know, everybody begging me to go, you know, that, that's a big deal too. When you know for yourself, I've got to have some help, but you're still going, when you make that step, I'm going to recovery. It's like, I'm going and there's no looking back. When you make, yeah, you can, you know, always in the back of my mind earlier in my life, oh, I can cut back. I won't drink for two weeks or I won't drink tonight or whatever. But when you make that decision, I'm going somewhere and it's going to be out there and everybody's going to know. And it's like, when I did that, it was like a weight got lifted off of me. It was, it was like, it's out there and this is going to be my life, you know, without alcohol. And there were some other, you know, I told, I told you earlier, uh, God delivered me from alcohol. One of my favorite things that you say is that good landing didn't save me. Good landing didn't save me. But now I will say this, God uses, used good landing in a miraculous way with me because, you know, it, you know, and I'm not saying every minute of good landing was peaches and cream because I there were times I'm going, I man, some of these folks, I, I you know, I I get away from these. I said, you know, and you're going, but you come to a point where I'm here to get sober. I'm I'm here, and 
heaven forbid, what anybody, what whatever else is going. Hey, I don't know what's going on with that other guy. You know, he he, it's, it can be terrible. I'm here for me. Yeah. I'm here for me to get my life straight. I came home, and I, I am very blessed and very fortunate. I came home to a wife that loves me, two daughters, a son, a daughter-in-law, a granddaughter, uh, a sister who is six years sober. Come on. You know, I came back to a family that if I needed them, they answered the phone. It wasn't, and I mean, it was days I was going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, like I said, I was very fortunate to come home to a uh, very supportive and very loving family. And that, that, that's what enabled me to be able to do what I did. Yeah, that's such a huge I wish part I could have stayed. I, wish, I, w- I really wish that I could have you know, stayed over there because was, that was easy. You still owe us a, a visit to come and talk. I do. I will. <laughs> this is incredible. The willingness to share a story, you know, and again, it would have been just as easy to say, hey, I got what I came for. I'm back over here I'm living the life, you know, your best life, the American dream, whatever you want to call it. Um, you're still taking time out of your day to help other people. I know you answer calls whenever you're busy from guys who are still out there struggling, and you made time today to come and get vulnerable and to get honest and to share your experience, your strength, your hope, your relationship with God, with the commitment to follow Jesus and uh, and where your strength and your power comes from, the love and the support of a family, which is huge. I just can't say how much I appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate you. God's using you. I, I will say this, good landing. God's using the people there. I cannot, uh, I can't, I, you know, Dakula, Georgia, you know, I, I, and, and for you to do what you've been doing, it just, I can't, I can't express my gratitude enough uh, um, for what y'all do. It's an honor. It really is. Before we land the plane, you got any final thoughts? It's never too late. You know, I'm I'm 48 years old. You know, I, you know, at 35, I never thought that I would be would have even been thinking about doing something like I've had to do. It's it's never too late. It's never too late. There, I know there are guys out there that are my age and older. If you health is a big thing. Your health, there, there, you've got grandchildren and children. I, I wanted to see my daughters get married. I wanted to see all my grandchildren, and that was, you know, that was a big thing with me. I had, you know, I needed, and if I didn't, I was going to, you know, I had a doctor in passing tell me, if you don't slow down on your drinking, you're going to need a liver in five years. I didn't want to go through it. I want to, I want to, I've got good genes. i got some grandparents that lived into their 90s. I want to, I want to be able to, I want to watch, you know, my great-grandchildren. Yeah. And that's just, you know, for me to do that, I was headed down the wrong path. I, I had to do this to be able to live my life. Yeah. See Mississippi State win a national a championship. National champ- Mississippi State. Come on. Live, you know, <laughs> and life doesn't, life's not over. I'm around, I'm around people that drink some. I don't want to be around drunks by any means, but life's not over. Your life doesn't end because you got to quit drinking. Yeah. It, another thing, to, I lost 60 pounds from the time I got here to the, and when I, in the past year. Wow. I feel a heck of a lot better. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I think most people do buy into the lie that oh, if I stop drinking, what am I going to do? My life's going to be boring. It's not. Right. It's going to be meaningless when in reality, you know, you find out that it's way better, way more fulfilling. That's right. 
So good, man. All right. Let's do part two soon. All right. We'll All right. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.